Hi, and welcome to Creative Conversations for the Soul, the podcast that speaks to inspiring individuals and curious minds, lifting the lid on what it means to embrace true, wholehearted creativity. I'm Amber, and I'm your host. I'm a copywriter, writing mentor, and content strategist at The Wild Wordsmith, creating soulful stories for free-spirited brands. Today, I'm speaking to a fellow wordsmith and all-round wonderful human being, Dr. Mehlika Khan. Mehlika is a qualified nutritionist, founder of The Gum Guide, and a writer of food stories. Her words are magical, and so too is her view of the world. Today, we're talking about the joy of eating, a delicious subject, I think you'll agree. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's so lovely to properly meet, albeit virtually. No, it's so lovely to be on. I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation today. Yay, so am I. Thank you so much. So with all of these interview um, episodes of the podcast, I always start off by both of us sharing what our creative goal is for the week or what it has been. So yeah, I would love to know what your one is. Okay, so this week, I don't know if you've been following along, but basically taking a little bit of a break from doing. So I'm being more So my goal this week is to basically go out with my camera at some point and then just take some photos around London or the parks and stuff. Oh, that'll be nice. That'll be lovely. Hopefully the weather will be nice as well. I don't know. It's lovely down here today. So I'm hoping that the sun's sort of staying for a few more days. So I'm a bit envious because you're close to water. I am. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can see water from my balcony, which is like, oh my word. I love it so much. Oh, lovely. Well, my one. um, So the goal is always to do with writing my book. I'm on a writing course and I had a one to one with my tutor this week. And basically a huge part of the book is now changing, which is exciting, but super terrifying. So my creative goal actually for the rest of today is to start planning what that's actually going to look like and basically to start rewriting a whole book. So (laughs) no, no, that's yeah, that's really exciting. I, I've never, I've not written like a fiction book. I have written like nonfiction, but I can just only imagine what that's like. I bet you like know the characters. They probably feel like they're a part of you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, it is. It's lovely. It's always quite, um, so I've tried to write a lot of fiction books, but I tend to get to, I don't know, maybe the 5,000 word mark. And I'm like, nope, this is rubbish. I hate it. This is the first one that I've really sort of kept with. And I've been like, no, this is, this is the story yeah. I want to write. And these are the characters that I care about. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, it's such a lovely form of escapism as well, especially where, you know, I tend to mark Fridays out just to do fiction writing. And it's a really lovely way to sort of end the week especially when I've been doing lots of like business writing all week so yeah better days yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's Friday's my creative day as well yes yeah lovely (laughs) (laughs) so today um it's going to be a bit of a mixed conversation which I'm really excited about but overall it's all about kind of the joy of eating which is something I am very passionate about because I love food and I love what it represents. And it's something, you know, that's something that I know you're really passionate about as well. And you sort of portray it in such a beautiful way. 
so nice. <laughs> it's true. Honestly, I absolutely just love following you on social media and reading like the mini stories that you put together. I just think they're absolutely stunning. So yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. <laughs> but I wanted to actually start by just talking about what wellness means to you. So on your website, I know that you talk about how wellness stems from diet, exercise and mindset. And I think that it's a really important conversation because I've started to notice recently that the concept of wellness is almost getting a bit muddied and people are seeing it just as, you know, the inspirational quotes on Instagram or, you know, wellness is a glass of wine in a bubble bath. <laughs> mm, not quite. Yeah. So yeah, I would really be interested to just hear a little bit more from you about what, yeah, about what wellness means to you. I think its definition has definitely changed as I've gotten like deeper into the world and from like personal experience as well. I think right now it's balancing everything. And also knowing that if you have setbacks, not to be hard on yourself, right? Because it's it's a lifelong commitment to be well because we're living longer. So it's also knowing that, okay, fine, the last two weeks or the last six weeks even, they were not so well. I didn't eat so well mm. or I didn't have the chance to exercise regularly. But knowing that that's not like a lifelong thing. Yeah. So I think that's where my definition's changing. It's not, like you said, just a bubble bath with a glass of wine anymore. <laughs> it's about, okay, fine, today I came home late from work and I didn't have a chance to make like a full meal and that's okay. I'll prioritize that with sleep tonight. Mm. It's having that balance and, and knowing that if there is setbacks, not to be hard on yourself. Definitely. I think that... That's certainly something that I struggle with. And, you know, for example, yoga is something that really, really helps me in terms of my wellness and my mental health and, you know, my physical health. But I've been, since I hurt my ankle, I've just done hardly any yoga. And of course, at the start of my injury, I couldn't do any because I couldn't really I couldn't walk so yeah but now I absolutely could but for some reason something's kind of holding me back from it and then I think I'm getting into this vicious cycle of being angry at myself for not doing it and actually I just need to accept that okay well I am like you're saying like instead I'm sort of trying to make sure I'm getting to bed earlier and I'm making sure I'm sitting down and reading in the evening rather than like relentlessly scrolling through social media and just to be like, it's okay, something's going on at the moment that's stopping me from doing it, but I'll come back to it when I'm ready. And maybe even if I remove that pressure, I'll get back to it sooner. I think that that balance is just so, so important, isn't it? In a way, I think a lot of the time we think we have to do everything. We have to do all of the sort of, you know, the wellness trends or the things that are going to you know, if you're not eating well, you're not exercising, you're not sleeping well, you're not sort of you're just failing, basically. Yeah. And I feel like that that goes against being well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm interested to think actually now that we're sort of saying that where that pressure's coming from, I guess social media probably has a lot to do with it and people, I don't know, the expectations are a bit higher now, I suppose. And also, yeah, the expectations are higher and I wonder like our generation gets it from the fact that we're trying to do something different 
And it's that whole we're trying to prove to the previous generations that we're doing something different and it's all worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like this weird thing that we're trying to validate. So I think that probably has a role to play. Like it's societal as well. It's interesting. Yeah. I've like, sort of, I feel like we've opened in the can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd really love to now start having a little talk about your love of food and stories. Like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I absolutely love the way you talk about food, the way you capture it the way you yeah you create these like narratives around the food that you're cre- that you're making and I'm interested in where that comes from like what is this passion you know where does this passion come from for you and yeah I think it probably is inherited my whole family is very big on food and we gather around food and it comes from the fact that all the part because my family is from Pakistan, we're not from that part of Pakistan. We migrated from different areas. So like from South India, Central Asia, Russia. And I think food was a way to carry our heritage wherever we went. And then stories, because those are the two things. They're, they're free. You can bring your food practices to a different land and you can bring your stories to a different country. And then like me, because I, I grew up, in Ireland and then I went off to university in Hungary and um, then I came to the UK so I think it's like a way it's a free way of bringing your heritage to different places and it's just a way to connect with other people because it's not I, I don't think it's about just eating and nourishing it's it's feeding those other parts of your soul and your mind as well I think for me it's bigger than just eating. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I lived in Italy for a year and obviously food was just everything there. And like you're saying, it's not just about eating, it's about that all sort of coming together and the community that comes out of it. And I mean, I was just, I was so fascinated actually when I first got there, sort of, I quickly learned that there were a lot of things that you do and don't do when it comes to food <laughs> in Italy, yeah. like the shock on their faces when I would say like, they were on another level. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time, like, I think it was the, actually like the second day I was there and I was just like exploring and I went and <laughs> tried to order a cappuccino and it was past like midday and they were just absolutely furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were not happy about it so speaking of kind of yeah like you've already sort of started touching on this idea of food and culture do you think that food does have a role to play in teaching us about different cultures and if so what do you think that we can learn from that I think it's really interesting because I spent all of the pandemic exploring this about like food and culture and like writing some bits on it. And I think it's different. So whilst I think we're all so different, many food and culture practices around the world appear to be similar. Mm. It, it, it is like, you know, okay, so say for example, in this country, going back like one or two generations, people used to gather on a Sunday. It was that day of reset. It's like coming together and food seems to be the integral thing that brings people together or like recently as the lockdown restrictions have eased I'm just seeing friends and what are we doing we're sharing meals it's just okay the food is the catalyst but it is bringing those 
people together, you're having conversations that are political, you're having conversations that, you know, can lead to social change. So I think that's that's what food and culture is. And and then when people migrate to different parts, they bring that with them because like I said before, it's free. Like you can't bring like, I don't know, all the decorative pieces from your house because those are physical possessions. Whereas food is inside you. And that's something that you can pass on to the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of as a a slight tangent, I'm interested in, do you have sort of favorite dishes that do that for you? So do you have certain food that is really, really important to you in terms of remembering your culture and sharing your culture or like things that you've picked up, say like when you were in university in Hungary and, you know, there's certain, yeah, I'm really interested to hear about them, actually. So, like, from my childhood, there is this aubergine dish, which is, like, we make it in the summer because they're in season in the summer, and you roast it over, like, an open tandoor. Uh, And we used to have it for lunch, and it's very simple. So they're roasted, and then you cook them with, like, some sautéed onions and tomatoes, which are also in season, then lightly spiced. And you just have it with like fresh bread and some cucumbers. That's it. I know it's so simple, but it's just so wholesome. And that's all you need on a hot summer's day. And it just takes you back to like when we would all gather in my grandmother's house. Everybody was on school holidays. So there's that dish. And the recipe for that is on my website. And whenever I make it, I share it on Instagram. (laughs) And so like from university... So the Eastern European countries, they use a lot of herbs and things. And there is anything that's got dill in it because it was, it reminds me of Hungary because that part of the world uses a lot of dill. So there's like this garlic dip that we used to eat at the cafes or you could make it because you could get the dip mix and just buy the yogurt and mix it in that. Or this like salad from the summer. So yeah. It's, it's every time I smell dill, it takes me back to being a university student. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we often hear about the power of like sound and music to strike up memory. So there's so much research about people living with dementia and how certain music can bring back memories for them. And I think that it's, you know, it's all the senses, isn't it? So, you know, and that's why I think food is just, it is so powerful that taste that sort of the memory of the taste that can take you immediately back you know I think of even something as simple as there was a soup that my nan used to make and it was she called it green soup and it had loads of like vegetables and spinach and everything in it but she called it green soup because I was a really fussy eater when I was a child and if she actually told me what was in it I wouldn't have eaten it but (laughs) I just used to devour it and like she used to like sit there watching me and be like oh Amber I do love watching you eat and I'd be there like smugly eating like yeah make my nan happy and it's like I'm just immediately comforted and I'm almost picturing her loving embrace whenever I sort of taste that food and there's so many different dishes that do take me back to sort of those really loving memories of family members or actually places that I've been around the world and it is really really quite special actually isn't it yeah or like um because I grew up in Dublin in Ireland so it's like it reminds me of like to say every time I have like you know those nine flake 99 cone ice cream yeah yeah um, with like that really 
is it the raspberry syrup? I don't know what it is. Like <laughs> yeah. the syrup, I haven't had it in a while. So whenever I have that, it reminds me of like going to like the secondhand bookshop where we used to like buy the Babysitter's Club books or like yes. the Valley Twins books for like, I don't know, 25 pence with my friend and then get like the rest of the money you buy the ice cream. Every time I see a truck, actually, it reminds me of that. It's just those things, you know? It is. It's the really, you know, like you said, even like with that, like that's just a, it's an, an ice cream, you know, so many people, it's not like a unique piece of sort of really unusual food, but it's immediately taking you back to a really specific memory. And it's, you know, with the way, like talking particularly about the beautiful content that you share on social media, and it is very much food and stories. Are you sort of trying to strike up certain memories when you're writing yeah. that many? Yeah, yeah. So I go through phases. So last year and even just like the last 18 months is all about like memories from like childhood and stuff. But recently what's happened is I'm like in the middle of a reset because I'm giving, I'm doing like an artist break, but mm-hmm. it really extended one <laughs> um, because I've never really had a summer as an adult. Yeah. And, and, like I lived in Europe for like five, six years. Those guys really have a summer. Oh, so yeah. I'm trying to like do that for myself. And what's coming up is more about like relationships now. Okay. So lately I've been thinking about like past relationships, current relationships, like your friendships and like family relationships. And I think that's really interesting. But again, the main catalyst seems to be food. So I feel like going forward for the rest of the year, I think the stories that, I'm anticipating will come out through my meals and foods will be about relationships. Whereas up until now, it's about childhood memories and nostalgia. It's quite interesting. You go through different phases and then it comes out in your writing or in your meals. How do those things come out for you? So is it just giving yourself that space to sort of allow it to come to you? Yeah. I I don't, I don't think too much about it, Mm -hmm. possibly because I'm in the fortunate position that my livelihood doesn't depend on it. Right. So then I have the luxury to go with whatever is coming. I don't fight it. Yeah. If they, for example, I have a block and I did have a block to, from like May to like up until like a couple of weeks ago, I, I'm not fighting it. Okay. So I think for me, that's really important. But then, like I said, I've got the privilege to do that. If obviously I needed this for money, then I might not be so lucky. But that is the beauty of it, isn't it? You're doing it for the joy of it. It's not something that you're trying to monetize at the moment. It's just something that's totally coming from your heart. And I think that really comes out in, in your writing and in the beautiful images that you share. And it's so authentic and every time I read something from you it really does spit, feel like I'm just sat in a room and you're talking to me and I think that's such it's a very gift. kind no it's true <laughs> it's true I'm just gonna throw all the compliments at you today no it really does come across so you know we're both in a I suppose fortunate situation at this current point in our lives that I feel like we both have a comfortable relationship with food. You know, we can both enjoy food and sort of feel nourished by it and to just see it for the beauty that it is. But of course, there are a lot of people that do have a difficult relationship with food. And I'm not sort of talking about, you know, the clinical eating disorders, because obviously that is something that is a completely different kettle of fish. But, you know, for many people, they find it difficult to just, I suppose they still find it difficult to have that 
comfortable, loving relationship with food. And do you think from sort of your experience or from people that you've spoken to in the past or just your your opinion that there's a way to kind of rewrite that relationship? I don't know how it is for other people. However, what I have seen myself and I've seen with, say, family or friends is that I think we grew up around a very comfortable food environment. And that's not always the case for people. I think that has a really big role to play. I don't, because I don't have any experience of having like a bad relationship going to a good relationship. There certainly have been times in my life where you're just like very regimented and then food can play a role in that. I can certainly say that from experience. Whereas what I find, and I can see that in my patients and stuff, is that if they've had a very uncomfortable environment, if either end of the spectrum, if food has been of scarcity, later on that can cause problems. Or on the other spectrum, if they come from like very privileged backgrounds and they've given, they're given everything, the only thing they have control over is the food, then things can tip over in the wrong direction as well. So that's what I've seen in my clinical practice. And from personal experience, I think growing up, food was something to be celebrated. Yeah. And I, I brought that into my adulthood. Mm. Yeah, I definitely think that that has such a huge part to play. So my dad's side of the family, as I was growing up, it was very much food was a thing to celebrate. It was almost our way yeah. of showing that we loved one another. The meals that we created, like he's one of six children and all of them love cooking, love eating. You know, we would have huge family get togethers because of those six children, they all had at least sort of two kids each and sort of, you know, it's kept on going from there. So food was our way to come together and actually be together because we're all from different parts of the UK and, you know, we've got people overseas as well. But so that was great while I was younger, but I definitely have had times in my life where kind of, as you said, almost using food as a way to control things if I wasn't in control of the other things going on around me. And I think that's a really easy thing to slip into. But certainly as I've kind of become, I guess, more aware of those tendencies, I can spot it like a mile off now. So if I'm starting to feel a bit like, oh my goodness, like I have no control over what sort of, you know, for example, the past 18 months, like no control over what's been going on. You know, it's making a conscious effort not to think, okay, well, I'm going to use this, you know, here's something I can control. I can sort of be more regimented with my food. No, instead, I just wanted to use, try to sort of force myself to use the time to just experiment with food and have fun with it and to sort of make lovely dishes for me and my boyfriend and not to almost use it as a way to yeah, I guess punish yourself in certain ways. If that happens, and it happens on both ends of the spectrum, I feel. Um, and there must be a reason that when we were all in lockdown in the beginning, the thing that took center stage was food. It did. You're so right. Everybody got in on it. You're so right. They did, didn't they? Because, it, you know, whether it was people getting into baking, you know, how many banana breads did we see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was the thing that everyone was talking about and even you know even down to people ordering more takeaways I know that's like a weird example but food was the thing that okay no this can actually 
bring me some joy. And, you know, we kind of, people joke about the sort of lockdown weight that a lot of people sort yeah. of put on, which is like, I mean, if the worst that happened during a pandemic is that we put on a bit of weight, like I'm totally yeah. okay with that. <laughs> but obviously it's because that was the thing that brought us joy during a really, really difficult time. So yeah, and I think it brought people together virtually as well. There was so many cook-alongs and there was so many of the chefs sharing stuff. And I mean, I was here for it, but I think so was everybody else. Yeah, yeah. We did, Um, I remember on, we well, we did a few sort of things like that, but my family on one of the sort of at one point during lockdown we did like a virtual cheese tasting and we all yeah. sent like posted it out to everyone and like you know I was the little loser with her vegan cheese over here <laughs> and they're all of their delicious like and like tasting wine and it was just yeah that was like last year but it was it was lovely and it's yeah. it's in yeah it was definitely. I think it just goes to show that humans will find a way to get together over food, yes. no matter what the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. We all did that as a species. Yeah, last year. and I mean that. You know, you will know probably far more than I do, but surely that just dates back generations and generations. Yeah. Like that's always been the case, hasn't it? Yeah. That food has been sort of the way that people come together. I'm sure, like way back in the caveman times, it's yeah. Yeah, because when they had like a big hunt, they probably got together and they shared their spoils. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to bring it back to your words, which I keep talking about how much I love your writing. And I'm going to throw another compliment at you. You really are a beautiful writer. Um, (laughs) So you've kind of already said how memories are a big source of inspiration for you and you kind of just allow them to come to you. But I'm interested if there's any other ways that you get inspiration for your writing or even certain sort of, I guess, writing rituals that you might take part in and what you enjoy writing about the most. So I read a lot and it comes from the fact that my mother teaches English. So that's, I think that's, again, that's where it comes from. We spend much to my dismay when we were young, summer's, reading stuff and then we have to write about them <laughs> my mom's idea of fun summer activity um and um and the school i went to in dublin it was a like a drama and literature school like it was very big emphasis on that so we used to go to theater and stuff so i think that's looking at stories being performed that has a big role to play and also I know you're going to think it's crazy, but I really like reading people's captions on Instagram. (laughs) Really big source of inspiration. Or like, so say for example, I mean, it hasn't happened in the last two years because of the current circumstances. But when I travel, I think that inspires. Everybody must be able to relate to this, but I do. So what I usually do is if I'm on a trip, I'll buy a postcard. And then on the journey back, I will just pour everything. Like a lot of feelings come out. Oh, I love that. Travel does that to you, doesn't it? Like you have a lot of stuff come up. So I will just write that on the postcard. And sometimes I read them back and I'm just like, okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Those were my thoughts. And I think a lot of my food stories last year came from those postcards because I was rereading them in lockdown. Wow. That's really, really nice. I highly recommend that. It's, yeah. I think it's a very great time capsule into your mind or the person you were at that trip. Yeah. 
I think that's such a lovely idea. You know, I've I'll always take, you know, obviously we've, like you said, we've not been doing any traveling recently, but it was always a, it's been a really big part of my life traveling. And I would always take like my full journal with me. And sometimes I would sort of, you know, be able to lose myself in it and just like journal my heart out. But other times almost the sight of like the full notebook almost was a bit, I don't know, a bit overwhelming and I'd be like, oh no, it's too much. Like I'm just going to sort of, I just want to be here. I just want to enjoy it. But yeah, the idea of just getting a postcard and on that journey home, because you're right, I can, you know, the things that will just come out of you, I suppose it's just total free writing really, isn't it? That you're not even thinking about what you're putting on that card. It's just what's naturally pouring out of you. Because it is fascinating when you look back, especially when you're in sort of a different situation like traveling where you're sort of out of your comfort zone, you're in a new place, you're away from sort of the nine to five. And it just, I think it opens your mind up to just receive more and to just take more in. And I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend it. Your future self will thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that. You mentioned that you love reading, which... I obviously know that you do because I love it when you share about books and you actually sent me a book one time, didn't oh, yeah. you? Which yes. I loved. Um, I really enjoyed it. A really lovely, just like gentle read, wasn't it? Writers and Lovers, it was called, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Again, this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm interested in what some of your favorite books are. Uh, my favorite books. So I like reading memoirs because I'm very interested in humans and their stories. And I think that probably makes me good at my job is it just like me bigging myself up but it does because I have to take a lot of patient history so I like to really get into the person's mind and be like right what is your story why are these clinical symptoms here because it's a story behind that human yeah so that's from that point of view I like reading memoirs that can relate to humans more for my job I like reading about food because Obviously, I do. And I like reading history books. Mm, Okay. I I just like learning past events or like, you know, some novels set in the past. But I really like 20th century fiction. I have a big fascination with the 20th century. I don't know where that comes from. But I think a lot happened that we can learn from. I think the world became what it is today. Those are some of my favorite topics. And then... I like reading about, do you know Gabor Mate? He writes a lot about trauma and um, addiction and stuff. I like reading about that because a lot of us are addicted to stuff. I know like when people think of addiction, they think of like drugs, but like sugar is an addiction or compulsive shopping is an addiction. And I like the human behavior that leads to addiction because we're all addicted to something. And I like learning about that. Definitely. So I definitely recommend his work. Yeah, I'll have a look. I like sort of fiction books, but that have that historic element or particularly at the moment, I'm loving Greek mythology fiction books. Yeah, Yeah, really, really enjoying them. There's been some fantastic ones that have come out recently. I've read a lot of Greek mythology when I was in secondary school because my English teacher was really into that. Okay. I should go back to Greek mythology. I really enjoyed it when I 
studied it. And there's, you're right, there's quite a few good. There's that one about the female characters in Greek mythology. I saw it in the bookshop the other day. That looked interesting. Yeah, there's some really, yeah, there's some lovely ones. So there's an author called Madeline Miller who has a couple. She has one called Circe and one called The Song of Achilles. Yes, yes, I've seen them. I've not read them, but I've seen them. I'd really recommend them. And then there's another one that was out fairly recently by, I think her name's Jenny Saint or Jennifer something, but it's called Ariadne. And that one was, I just read that a few weeks ago. And yeah, really, really (laughs) recommend. Absolutely beautiful. And that one's, that one and Circe are very much focused on the female characters. So that's, Yeah. yeah. Definitely recommend. Just going off on a bit of a book. Yeah, book no, that's, right. but... <laughs> that's what happens when you like speak with people who like reading as well. <laughs> it is. It always ends up just like I could honestly talk for hours just about the books, about books that I like. Yeah, yeah always. Yeah. I mean, my bookshelf like behind me is just ridiculous. Like it's completely full and then it's like all piled on top of it. And I'm like, it's just going to yeah. break any day now. It's just going to completely. <laughs> I just keep my book piles under the bed. <laughs> but they're like, they can stay there. It's fine. <laughs> then you don't feel guilty about buying more books because you can't think yeah. how many you already have. Because I just hide them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, although going back to like some of my favorite books. So I would say if you've read Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt. Yeah. It's about him growing up in rural Isle. Well, they were in Brooklyn first and then they emigrated back because they lost a child. I love that book. Oh, okay. I like reading Irish writers, or maybe I'm biased because like, it reminds me of home. I think Irish I writers are very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. There's a nonfiction book by Helena. Althea, I think her name is, and it's called The Land Where Lemons Grow. Mm. I recently put a picture of it on my Instagram, but it's hidden in the slide. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to post more pictures now. Um, and it's about like the citrus fruit, but it's not just about like, you know, lemons or oranges and stuff. It traces back their history and how they came to the Mediterranean and, and just different foods, like, for example, marmalade and how it became part of the breakfast. So it's, it's that I really like that book. I do go back to that book often. It's like going on a journey. Ooh. So if I was to pick like two books, one fiction and one nonfiction, although Frank McCourt's book is not fiction. It's, I think it's a semi-memoir. Okay. So yeah, that's the one I would do. And if I was to pick a fiction book, I like Elena Ferrante's the four books that she did my brilliant friend and then the other four. okay they're very good right they're on the list <laughs> yeah, so one memoir one non-fiction and one fiction nice <laughs> so I want to sort of close by asking you for I guess just a few tips on how people could use food and eating as I suppose a way to ignite their creativity I think fruits and vegetables can ignite your creativity because it's okay say for example right now cherries are in season it's not just a fruit is it it's it's got like its own velvety texture or it's got like the juice that drips right and 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 then it's probably your memory of eating your first cherry or I used to eat it as a study snack in Hungary because we had a cherry tree in the house here that we lived in so it's like lots of stories come out there, like you're really stressed about your exam. So it's just, I think fruit and vegetables can be quite a catalyst for bringing like stories together. 
and then just meals like if you think back to like sometimes in your childhood or at university or with your partner or your friends I'm sure there is food has played a big role we just don't realize that it has and I do like the equivalent of morning pages just to like get out of my head in the morning and a lot of time I write about food yeah it's just you know like so say I I don't have any experience writing fiction since I was a teenager but when I read fiction I'm interested in what the character is eating it gives you an idea of who that person is absolutely so I have actually got one more thing that I want to ask you and this is again something that I ask all my guests I would love you to share free things that fuel your creative fire. So that could be a piece of music. It could be putting on some, like lighting some incense. It could be going for a walk. Just free things that really help stir up that sense of creativity for you. Okay, so my three things, one would definitely be going for a walk. So if I say, for example, I'm to share like an essay or a recipe or something, I will definitely go for a walk beforehand. The other thing is laughing a lot with friends and family. I think that just resets in the mind in a way we can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing would actually be like a nice meal. Lovely. Oh, yeah, it had to be, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we had to bring the food in there. (laughs) I would have been disappointed if you hadn't. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you. So I feel like I could just talk for yeah we could talk about this for yeah icon. honestly this has just been such a just gorgeous just like nourishing conversation and it's so lovely to have a proper chat with you after following you for so long now and just it's just really lovely to actually sit down and chat and it's just a bonus that this gets to get turned into a podcast episode so <laughs> Yeah, that's always like, yeah. (laughs) So honestly, thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit down with me today and share your absolutely gorgeous stories about food and just your wonderful words in general. I really did love it. Thank you for having me on and like saying all these wonderful things. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Love a Friday ego boost. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. I love this conversation so much. We genuinely could have talked for hours. I loved hearing about Melika's stories and memories of food and the role that it's played in her life. It's incredible to speak to someone who soaks up inspiration and creativity in such a palpable way. You can find her and her wonderful food stories on Instagram at Dr. Melika and also at The Gum Guide. I'll put it in the show notes as well, as well as her website. If you liked this episode, please hit follow or subscribe. And if you're feeling very generous today, maybe you could leave it a little review. Your support means so much to me. Until then, stay curious and keep searching. Goodbye. <laughs>